0: And now, more educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion of Attention Deficit ADHD. My second guest for this hour, Veronica L. Schouder, is a licensed and certified clinical social worker with nearly 20 years' experience as a school social worker and a background as a forensic social worker for the Juvenile Rights Division of the Legal Aid Society. Veronica, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you here because I know you bring a lot of resources to the table, and I'm sure my listeners would love to to hear it. Uh, my first guest actually mentioned executive functioning when describing attention differences. Uh, what exactly is executive functioning?
1: I'm glad you asked because, you know, one of the big things with ADHD, you know, that upsets me particularly is people seeing it as a disability. You know, it's a trait. It's a function of the brain. We have, everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses that they need to work on. And executive functioning is a set of mental processes that help us connect past experience with present action. People use it to perform activities like planning, organization, strategizing, paying attention, the big one for school, as you know, and remembering details, managing time and space. And all this requires different parts of our brain in order to be functioning at maximum potential to um, be able to succeed. You know, you think of a student and think of your own life and how you use these skills each day, making plans, um, being able to evaluate ideas, reflect on your work, seeking, asking for help, engaging in group dynamics, even recognizing... Uh, social cues, how to interact with others. And there are certain domains and parts of your brain that actually govern all these um, functions. One of them uh, is impulse control. Your ability to stop and think before acting. I think this is probably, I would say, the teachers and parents' main concern for children. Because if this is something that really is challenging for a child. It could be dangerous and safe at times, but a lot of times it's, it's simple skill building that needs to be addressed. These are children who actually speak before they think. They act before they consider. And this weakness is usually seen through their schoolwork with sacrificing accuracy, completing their homework all the time, remembering to do things, calling out, you know, taking turns. Emotional control is your ability to manage feelings by thinking about goals. A lot of it is regulation. Now, I'm sure you know a lot of adults, and I do too, who still struggle with self-regulation. But for a child who that area is a little bit more compromised, it really is a struggle because they're not maliciously trying to cause harm they just really have a trouble managing their emotions, accepting criticism, even constructive criticism, which is interesting. Uh, a lot of the kids that I work with, you, when you try to actually help them see the other person's point of view, be able to review and reflect, it's very hard for them to receive even constructive criticism. That's why it's really is so important that you connect with a child in a relationship where they trust what you're saying because otherwise all those wonderful ideas that people have go unnoticed. And if you notice, people tell children all the time not to do things. What they lack in telling them is what they can do. And they take for granted that that child knows how to regulate themselves. I use an example with my kids that I work with. You got one part of your brain that's your problem solving. And the other part is your emotional part. When you're in distress, something is upsetting you and you're in the middle that you want to be in a tantrum and you can't control yourself, that means your problem-solving is locked in and it can't get out. So you have to, you want to access that part of your brain and you want to say, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And you start the problem-solving solution method. The same thing, go ahead.
0: Yeah, now wouldn't that be the same as, you know, the, the angrier we get, the dumber we get?
1: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And what happens is you lose your ability to think, and you you're emotionally connected to something, and then you know it, it goes in a tailspin from there. Your self-esteem, all those things. So, and you'd be surprised. It's so funny when you teach a child which part of their brain controls which area. All you have to do is remind them, hey, click it in, get it up, get that problem solving going. And then you use your problem-solving in order to quiet your emotions. And sometimes you have to use your emotions to quiet a, an overactive brain that's worrying and anxious. It goes conversely. So
0: it's now, sen- mm-hmm. Yeah, because since, since, it sounds like what you're describing um, could be is it also applies to people who do not have you know let's say identified attention differences so how does executive functioning relate to someone with ADHD or with an attention difference?
1: Well think of it this way is how often do you see a lot of people having these difficulties to begin with with the emotions mm-hmm. and now you have a child who's struggling in that area it's a hundred and twenty percent more difficult and that's what people really forget. Is that we all have built in systems. And if your system's compromised for whatever reason, then that it's harder for them to access it, to connect to it. And so what happens is they're, they're quick to think that a situation's unfair or, or somebody doesn't like them. And that emotional turmoil can send them into a tailspin that's really hard for them to recover. They get very distressed. And you know what? You'd be surprised. Schoolwork is a huge catalyst for kids with ADHD. Because most likely, more often than not, um, these children are also struggling with some type of learning issue that's going unnoticed because of so many of the emotional behaviors that um, more people pay attention to. So now you have a child who's in this constant circle of not being able to feel successful at something. And, you know, it's funny with emotions, some of the, that's your deep limbic um, section of your brain. The best way is practicing um, gratitude, developing and building positive experiences, enhance your mood states. So, you know, we have automatic negative thoughts that come, an ADHD kid has them, and rapid fire, just Mm. rapid fire. And so what happens is if you have an arsenal of negative thoughts, but you do not have the ammunition of really good positive experiences, where, where do you go with that? So it's, it. you have to equally build more positive expe- experiences and connections for a child with ADHD so that they can have the ammunition to do battle with those negative thoughts. Okay. And that be just problem solving.
0: Okay. Now you shared a couple of resources, uh, with me earlier in the week. One of them was a, an ebook, which is available on my show page. Um, can you explain to us what that, is that specifically about executive functioning?
1: I, I'm telling you, I love this ebook more than anything else. It's actually from the National Center for Learning Disabilities, and it's called Executive Functioning 101. Each su- section breaks down um, what all the executive functionings are. They'll explain it. But even better than that, it, it's so informative that it, it has a checklist so you can understand, you know, um, even before you go on. But it breaks it down into best, best, possible ways of helping somebody also. You know, it goes through all the the emotional control, the planning, the prioritizing, flexibility, working memory, self-monitoring. It even gives you an around-the-clock example of a child and how he experiences all of these uh, cognitive areas and task initiation. You know, it takes a lot of energy for a child with ADHD to focus. And a lot of times people think it's inattentiveness. It's actually hyper-focused. You know, most kids who have ADHD are great at focusing on something that's generally interesting to them. So being present and mindful in a school setting that maybe isn't conducive to the way that they learn the best or maybe they are struggling with some learning issue, it takes an incredible amount of energy, incredible amount of energy. And so what happens is what parents... Do is, you have to realize the organization, when they go up and they forget everything 12 times, checklist, checklist, checklist. You have to teach the skills. Telling somebody to remember something is useless. Showing them how to remember something is a lifelong skill that they can live with. You know. Okay. Even simple things like dinner. When you go for dinner. Here's a great example. When you're doing planning and prioritizing. Okay, you have to set the table. Well, who are you going to set it for? What are you going to get first? you Are going to get the forks, the knives, the spoons? All these things that we take, little simple day-to-day things, going to store, making lists to store. If you're doing laundry, you're sorting laundry. You know, there's brain training games, but there's also life games, life skills that we get so busy that we forget we have to teach. You know, uh, self-monitoring, being able to, uh, uh, the ability to monitor your and evaluate your own performance each day. You know, how many parents and how many teachers and how many adults are willing to be reflective in their day-to-day practice of life and say, hey, you know, when I interacted with that, that grocery man, I don't think I was polite as I could have been. And maybe he was having a bad day. You're demonstrating empathy. You're you're walking them through the steps that they need. And some children don't need that. Some children have the temperament where they're very easygoing, and they're able, and they're sensitive, and they're able to get this. ADHD kids are super sensitive and incredibly insightful at certain times and at other times, and so they checked out of the room.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, <let's... laughs>
1: and, and that's why there's, there's that frustration level for parents because... Mm-hmm. You you don't understand how could this this person be so reflective and so amazing so insightful and and then all of a sudden checks out as though they weren't even in the room five minutes ago. Well,
0: oh, you, you make you make a good a, point, and yeah. we're going to. I want to. Uh, I want you to hold that thought because we're going to pick it up from there. But it's time for us to take a short break. So everyone, stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Veronica Schauder and attention deficit. Uh, Veronica, right before the break, you mentioned how uh, children with attention differences could be very empathetic and then at the next moment, check out completely. Um, What what does it mean for a parent to, to... be mindful of that and to to be able to identify their talents and strengths so that those students can maximize their potential.
1: I'll tell you what, um, one of the major things is pinpointing the problem because different aspects of executive functioning, the emotional, attention, behavior, they develop together, they impact each other, and you have to tease out learning issues. You know, um, when you have a child who is misunderstanding cues, uh, directions. There is a, you know, as a parent, your first instinct is to feel that that child's not listening on purpose, that they're being oppositional, they're being defiant, and a lot of it is really just poor skill building. It's poor uh, impulse control, the flexibility that you need in order to, be able to revise a plan. You know, you tell the child it's going to be one way. They say, it's not fair. You can't change things. All of these things are, first off, very helpful for any child, but for a child with ADHD where these things are challenging, that flexibility, the working memory, remembering what you want from them, the being being able to monitor themselves, you're their coach. And if I can say anything, even from my own experiences, you know, with my son and with all the children that I've worked with, is that at some moment you have to be so mindful that every challenge they give you is a learning opportunity for you to teach the skills that they're lacking in. You know, the, you know, people very haphazardly say, well, they're not good at this, but they're not good at that. You know, what does Henry Ford say? If you think you can or if you think you can't, either way you're correct. It's how you think about it. If there's a struggle or a deficit, that doesn't mean we just say, okay, he's not good at that. It means what do we do to help him? You practice gratitude with emotions. You teach them to uh, create more positive experiences. If they have uh, issues with directional sense and spatial orientation, you juggle. You learn how to design photography. Kids very, would um, have poor memory in other things may have great visual memory. You have them take pictures. You'll see how they see the world. Kids who aren't great at um, coordination, you put them in dancing. You put them in martial arts. You help them with their handwriting, not to the point where they're crying, but to the point where they're excited about learning. Um, Problem solving. Little silly things chess, checkers. Meditation. Meditation is huge because it's it's the absence of thought. It's being able to get out of your thoughts and the emotion. The biggest challenge for a parent is that we're so emotionally connected to our children's success. You parent the child you have, not the one that you wish they were. I always say sometimes we want to order a child online. That's yeah. what you always get. <laughs> you know, we're so used to, okay, well, we'll return it and get something else. This is the one you have. <laughs> and this is the one who can actually give you the gift of growth. Their challenge is your challenge. And quite frankly, you know, sometimes temperaments are mismatched and some parents who are a little bit less flexible themselves have to be a little bit more flexible with an ADHD kid. And I don't say that you're compromising your ideals and what's important to you. What I'm saying is that you understand that there's another way in. There's always another way of teaching what you need to be taught. And if it's not working the first way, you have to learn another way. And yoga, meditation, you know, all these things are so huge. Nutrition, big, big. First off, you know, I usually tell almost all parents when they're considering and they're doing a comprehensive evaluation, you know, you're first you're looking at the brain, how's your brain working? Are there things that are affecting that function? And sometimes things simple as food and nutrition can have such a huge effect in on ADHD kids that you have the difference between somebody who is emotionally responding to something with a um, high degree of craziness, or you have a kid who's able to think things through. No, your reaction that... to your child is also the model that they're going to be looking for. And, you know, as parents, we're always struggling with that, with
0: now, controlling yeah. our
1: emotional responses.
0: Well, I, have, I had a guest on uh, earlier before you who also uh, has a, a son with um, attention difference, mm-hmm. and I'm curious at how prevalent is it, you know, attention differences. You I know, as for- what,
1: here's the thing is because, you know, we label everything. There's a very small percentage that are very severe um, ADHD-type kids, and sometimes those are also underlining other issues. It could be trauma. It could be severe learning disability. It could be emotional. It could be a huge allergy reaction, nutrition. Uh, we Sometimes kids who are not even getting enough oxygen, you know, kids with asthma. Mm. I, You know, my first line defense all the time is food and nutrition, a blood test to make sure, you know, a lot of kids now aren't absorbing all the nutrients and supplements that they need to be able to function. There's a great okay. book called The Food Cure for Kids. The nutritional approach to wellness from Oz Garcia, and the other one is a natural uh, approaches to um, natural treatments for ADHD, which you know is a, a pretty good read through. Like I would ha- go those front lines before I did anything with regards to treatment: is nutrition and wellness, taking really good stock. You know, emotionally, if you have a kid who has different learning. Um, abilities, and that they're not getting things the way that you think that they should, it's going to bring up things in that parent or that adult, and that relationship can be incredibly compromised, and that leads to more of the symptoms that you see. So not so much ADHD, but a lot of that disorganization and emotional dysregulation occurs because it's such a mismatch of temperament and ideals. Okay.
0: So I think- Mm-hmm. yeah I just want to get back to the nutrition piece okay. because you have some who are very effective at um identifying and helping manage attention differences who uh, minimize the um impact of nutrition uh, whereas whereas you you're indicating that that's probably one of the first places you should look Am I reading that correctly?
1: Yes because you know what first off, why would we go through and automatically say that a child has one thing or another without holistically looking at every aspect of that child's life. You can't just, you know, I think we're too frequently looking for an easy out or an easy answer or easy label, and you can't. Executive functioning I think is more brilliant way of looking at how a child thinks. Now, if you see these that there are deficits in certain areas, now you want to try to figure out why. What's the origin? Is there an organic reason? And I see nutrition as an organic reason. Um, okay. if the child's not getting the nutrients that they need or has an allergy that's going unnoticed. And it's not the be-all. It's not going to answer everything. But if you can eliminate some of the symptoms or you can minimize some of the impact of those symptoms, wouldn't you do that?
0: I think you make a fair point, And I, I especially agree that oftentimes uh, we're using labels uh, I say we, I'm really thinking of the world of education. Using labels so that it gives us an excuse. Oh, well, that child's not performing well because they have X. They have, uh, yeah. you know, OCD or, or ADD and, and therefore I don't need to be able to reach them as effectively. And I think with this pressure for testing that, um, those type of quick labelings, uh, without oh, yeah. proper observation and diagnosis may increase. Would you, what's your opinion on that?
1: Oh, I totally agree with you because I think it's fear-based. You know, when people make decisions out of fear, then they're looking for a fast answer. And you know what? The 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 more comprehensive answer is you still have to teach your child to learn. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care what they have. Yeah, I don't care what they have. You still have to teach a child to learn and what happens is there's always going to be some children who are disrupting that learning and you know that's another thing. You look at a classroom right and say you have a curriculum or you have a pace or you have um, an instructional instructional practice that exceeds a child's developmental ability. Guess what? That looks just like ADHD. <laughs> yeah, that
0: <laughs> is true. You're not going to
1: have inattentiveness. You're not going to have the working memory. You're not going to have the flexibility, the impulse control, because developmentally you don't have a child who's prepared for the rigor that you're creating. And that's not of the fault of any adult, uh, other than the fact that sometimes we're just not aware of developmental differences in children. We're not okay. aware of those things that also impact learning that aren't organic but really kind of created. They're situations that are created.
0: Okay, I want to once again remind my listeners that at the show page there is a free ebook that you can download that will give you all the information you need to know regarding executive functioning. Uh, we have been speaking with Veronica L. Schauder licensed and certified clinical social worker, school social worker, and former forensic social worker. To keep abreast of the latest news and insights regarding living with attention deficit, visit www.attitudemag.com. That's A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E-M-A-G.com. Veronica, thanks so much for joining us.
1: I thank you. And I just want you to, you know, there's tons of things to love about the person who has the challenges in those functioning, also have the gifts of sparkling personalities.
0: Thank you, Veronica. Thank speakers. you. Thank you very much, and I uh, appreciate that. And at this time, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, but join me again next week for more Educate with Dr. Jefferson as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors.